where nobody knows your name is not filmed in front of a live studio audience. Hello and welcome to Where Nobody Knows Your Name, a Cheers podcast. We've got a good episode today, haven't we, James? Yes, we do. It's called Diane's Allergy. It's episode 10 of season 3, recorded on the 6th of December, 1984. It was written by David Lloyd and directed by James Burroughs. We've got some exciting stuff coming up in this episode. Yes, stay tuned. We've got some uh, something special coming later on, and on our trivia time, some special guests knocking at the door. But until then, let's have a chat about the cold opening, James. The kid, Ben. You sound disgusted of Ben. <laughs> <laughs> Just some, some kid enters the bar with a baseball, John. What's up with that? <laughs> Initially, I thought it was a bit reminiscent of uh, episode one, all the way back then. How about a beer chief? Yeah. yeah. Um, no, no, not really the same, though. It's not this, good. This kid, uh, he's looking for a signature for his baseball for his for his brother Who's, in the hospital. That's it. It's uh, a sad story. It sounds quite compassionate. It's like, yeah, I'll sign your baseball. Oh, go on, kid. I'll sign your baseball for you. How about that, you little scamp? No, not you. Not <laughs> your signature, but you know people who also have signatures. It was hoping that Sam could point you in the direction of Carl... Yastrzemski. Yastrzemski. Yaz. Carl Yaz Yastrzemski. Sounds like he doesn't know where he is. Gee, Doug can be disappointed. I don't know what to do. Hey, could you sign it? It's all this is good. You sure your brother's not going to mind? Yeah, he doesn't know what Yastrzemski's handwriting looks like. Good point, good point. That was a nice little opening. Yeah, basically a kid going, Hey Sam, can you forge Yaz's signature? Sam goes, yes. He goes, Yaz. <laughs> That's all. Yeah, it's a nice little neat cold opening. I thought it was a nice one. Coach was kind of being the, I suppose, moral compass of sorts. Because Sam wanted to throw the baseball away. But like, get out. And Coach was like, hey Sam, it's a kid. Send the damn ball. I'm not sure how much it links to the main episode. Very little. Mm. Sam's in it. It's set in cheers. Should we sidestep into our main episode then, James? It's a good one. I find it it's a fun one, I think. Cheap what's going on. So it's the plot which uh, we got a title from, Diane's Allergies. But it begins with the announcement that Diane and Fraser are going to move in together. Which is nice. And of course, this episode brings us Chelsea Grammer as Dr. Fraser Crane, as well as Corey Bumper Yothers as Ben. He also appeared in John Trapper, MD. Night Rider, Saint Elsewhere, and different shows. Here's an interesting little tidbit for you. He is part of the Yothers family of actors in the 80s and early 90s. His sister, Tina, yeah. played main character Jennifer Keaton, the sister of Michael J. Fox's character, Alex P. Keaton, in Family Ties. Their other sister was played by Justine Bateman, the real-life sister of Jason. So you could say there were some family ties. And also, Al Rosen is back as Al, but is uncredited. So, um, Diane and Fraser are nervous to tell Sam that they're going to move in together because they are fearful of Sam's reaction. They think that Sam might actually have feelings for Diane again. Again, it's every episode, James. Just every episode. I'm hoping one day... There's a cheers drinking game. You drink when they drink, and you also drink when Sam and Diane tell each other that they're not interested in each other. You drink when they drink, and you drink when they don't. It's called alcoholism, the the game. (laughs) But anyway, Sam doesn't care. <laughs> he really doesn't. Then. And he's quite happy for them. And he's kind of like, cool, why are you telling me? I think he thinks it's a bit too soon for them both. 
Because Diane has come from her nervous vacation. Ten episodes ago? Yeah, she's got her passport stamped and everything. So they're moving in. Diane, Frasier, and Pavlov. Frasier's the lovable pup. It's funny he's called Pavlov because they're obviously with the whole Pavlov's dog thing. Yeah. But this is Pavlov the dog, which is, might get confusing later in the episode. Again, I, I was hoping that we'd get more of these kind of psychiatrist puns and quirky naming of things off the back of the young, young lovers. Young. Young, spot with a J. And we get more in the, mm. in the form of Pavlov the dog. So we, we skip ahead, I would say, maybe half a week. Yeah. We find out that a living situation hasn't gone as swimmingly as they hoped. Because of the dog. Because Diane is allergic to Pavlov. Or is she? Stay tuned. Yes. In the meantime, it's someone's birthday. My birthday? It's, it's Carlo's birthday. Uh, I thought it was my birthday. <laughs> I, was, I was looking around, thought James was going to bring me a cake. No, John, you can fish for your cake. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> in, in the space of three episodes, we've got two birthdays. Interestingly, a while ago, during our two-parters Coach and Love Part 1 and Coach and Love Part 2, it was Rhea Perlman's birthday and John Massenberger's birthday. So now, a few episodes later, it's Carla's birthday. What do birthdays mean, James? Points. Points mean presents. 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 Birthdays mean presents. Carla gets some presents in this episode, but not not particularly thoughtful uh, for Carla, because they're joke presents. It reminds me almost, but very vaguely, of uh, any gift Nessa would give him, Gavin and Stacey. Oh, they've got the celebrations box there. Stacey <laughs> can eat a celebration. What are you, you going to do with these presents? I should have said that. One of the presents? A jelly bean. Oh, lovely stuff. Yeah, so. These are the kind of things that Carla's dealing with. But to be honest, this didn't play out how I thought. I thought it was going to be the kind of the old tale of the boy who cried wolf. But in the end, they got her. They give her a range of several bad presents, and then Cliff goes away, comes back. back. He's got her a jumper. She goes, "I love it." And then Cliff ruins it because it's actually another joke. And he gets thrown out of the bar. Good, he should have been thrown out of the bar. <laughs> but what I thought was going to happen was I thought he was going to buy a nice present. Carla wouldn't believe him, and she'd smash the box that it came with. Like some chinaware or something. Yeah, that's what I thought was going to happen. Chinaware? Is that a vase or something? And then, and then they'd learn, oh, I'm trying to buy drug presents. It's the boy who cried wolf. The Carla who cried no more jelly beans. The, the bad present who cried bad present. That's not quite as catchy. Yeah, that didn't happen. Just more joke presents. Bit of a shame. Wasn't even in the rule of threes. I think there were like five bad presents. Back to Diane possibly being allergic to a dog. Pavlov, Fraser says, uh, Fraser does give the dog up. To Sam. To Sam, yeah. Sam's, Sam's very happy to volunteer. He says he used to have a dog. It's gone now. That's how the story moves forward. Sam gets a dog. Fraser loses a dog. Diane's allergies do not get better. In fact, I think they get worse. It has some unusual reactions. Yeah. There's a weird voice. Fraser mentions the voice. The latest symptom is a... Recurring voice change. A what? Well, you'll have to hear it. I don't think words can do it justice. <laughs> but we definitely do see it. Here's an example of it now. It's the dog. I keep telling you, it's the dog! <laughs> the voice. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, as we can tell from that clip, Dan's voice is very unusual at the moment, which... You know, I know people who are allergic to things. Never seen that as a symptom before. We get a quite a strong diagnosis from, uh, not Fraser, Sam, who says it might be psychosomatic. Yes. John and I were in a meeting the other day, and 
someone used the word psychosomatic, and we just nodded at each other because both of us had recently made notes on this episode. Are you sure? I said it. <laughs> John's word of the day. I bring this up out of intelligence. Everyone think I'm intelligent. James and I got from a sitcom. <laughs> but yeah, Sal says it's potentially psychosomatic, and Diane's like. It's a complex psychological concept coming from a man who has to write. L and R on the bottom of his shoes. And he's like, I'm not the one who's got a weird voice. <laughs> Sip it down. Yeah, that's it exactly. And uh, Act 2 begins with yeah, Diane entering with an itchy throat, prompting, as you said, Frasier to have to choose between her and Pavlov. Sam agrees to adopt the puppy, which causes confusion later because he renames it. Sam, I have to be honest with you. Changing the dog's name hurts me a little. Don't you think two Dianes will be a little confusing? Well, maybe you're right. Hand on that. Well, we'll just have to call your girlfriend Pavlov. I thought he was going to. But yeah, it unfolds in quite sort of humorous way, I guess. They begin to start decorating and fumigating Fraser's flat, trying to get rid of all of the remnants of Pavlov's fur. Pavlov's fur sounds like some prog rock band from the 70s. I like it. <laughs> <laughs> um, but Diane is adamant that that's the reason why she's still ill. There's still remnants of Pavlov there, and she's allergic to dogs. But she's not. She's a cat person. She's a cat person, you know that. But there's, it's suggested that her symptoms and allergies are brought on by factors such as stress and anxiety, potentially, of moving in, if it is psychosomatic. She's got crane on the brain. But the crane on the brain is manifested into allergies. Eventually, Frasier confronts Diane, and he knows that even if it is psychosomatic, that can't keep her going through this. They argue about it, and Diane agrees to move out of Frasier's apartment, and she leaves. Frasier goes to Sam, can I have my puppy back now? And they talk about the puppy, but of course they renamed it Diane. Mm. Sam's like, well, I've grown attached to this girl, and Frasier goes, but I lo- I've loved that puppy. I've loved that puppy for a long time, Sam. You don't, don't understand. Diane enters and thinks they're talking about the human Diane. Mm. She thinks that uh, Frasier is sort of defending her honor, yeah. standing up and saying, Professing his love for her. Frasier, this is so exciting. You are the only man who has ever proclaimed his feelings for me with such eloquence. Uh, I got a flash right here, Diane. What we were talking about... Sam, she knows perfectly well what and who we were talking about. She's a clever girl. And a, a beautiful one. So we assume uh, that Diane goes home with Frasier with all of her allergies cured. Norm says the line to Sam, he says, Frazier walks out of here with Diane, and you get to go home to a dog. Yeah. Somebody up there likes me. <laughs> nice little ending on the whole thing. That's the door, and joining us, all the way from Chicago, no less, are the hosts of Cheers Weekly, another Cheers podcast. Do you want to introduce yourself, fellas? Uh, hi, I'm George Sakaridis. I'm the co-host of Cheers Weekly, along with... Randy Woodbury. Thank you for joining us. You're based in Chicago, is that correct? It's morning over there, afternoon here. Well, I'm originally from Chicago. I'm actually in the kind of upper Midwest regions of the United States now. I teach at a university here, but I still consider Chicago home. <laughs> I'm currently about uh, five hours west of Chicago. So George and I are about driving wise, I would say five hours away from each other when we normally talk to each other over a Cheers episode. Wow. If you drive five hours from us, you're in France. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Uh, First question is, how did you guys beat? And uh, how did your common love of Cheers? Uh, Randy, do you want to start? 
Yeah, so I'll start with the the meaning part. We met in college. Uh, we both went to university in the states at Iowa State University, and as part of our friendship, it was pretty clear that entertainment was a very much a connector. Movies, TV shows, games, and stuff like that. And so that is where we kind of started going down that path of some similar interests. But later on, both kind of got interested in different aspects of the entertainment industry. George from the acting, directing, writing standpoint, me from the writing standpoint. And so a few years ago, we decided, you know, we should unite that interest in a podcast, but we really didn't know what exactly to do and which podcast to do. And George, you might want to take it from there about how we decided on Cheers. Well, interesting. At the time, there was no Cheers podcast. And as you can imagine, that's kind of shocking considering the, the gravity and the popularity of the show. And it was a show that Randy and I had kind of connected on before. We'd, we were probably the only two of our friends that actually had watched the show regularly. And so it was kind of a natural fit to jump to Cheers. And it's been great. And there's, I think, 275 episodes. So it's, it's quite a marathon. Certainly. Um, especially <laughs> As you like... know. <laughs> yes. That's right. Yes. From my understanding, you're uh, these ad- the end of season five as of this recording yes we just have a few episodes left in season five you've done quite a lot so far that must be three years or so that you've done at the moment two and a half maybe it's been just over three i think we've had a you know a few little breaks in there I don't know, Randy, what episode are we on now? Is it 115? I think it's 115, yeah. That's yep. right. And so our first tape date, when we taped for the first time, was February 3rd, 2017. So almost exactly three years ago. It's, it's only felt like seven. <laughs> yeah. And we're not <laughs> half halfway done yet. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I have the same statements from John. Yeah. We're, we're further off and I'm feeling, I'm feeling more than seven. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we do. So John goes twelve years. <laughs> I've only known him for two. I think. Uh, <laughs> I think. What one question was? Um, kind of, you you said that universal thing that you both found commonality with. What was the appeal of the show? And when you started making the podcast, what angle did you think the podcast would be? What kind of podcast did you envision? I think. Great question, uh, Randy. I'll give that to you. I think. Yeah. So I'll do it from two parts. The reason I was drawn to it. So I grew up in a fairly strict home, and you know we didn't have cable for the longest time. And movies, I wasn't allowed to go to movie theaters. And so network TV was or free TV was something that I could actually latch onto. And since Cheers was on, on at eight o'clock, uh, usually before like bedtimes and stuff like that, I was still allowed to watch it. And so kind of this big city in a bar, things you know coming from a smaller town, more of a farming community. I'd never been to a huge city at that point. It was like drawing me into all these aspects that I'd never seen before. And I thought it was amazing. And so that kind of hit it there. Um, Structurally wise, when we talked about the podcast, I think I've said this publicly on the podcast, I was blatantly trying to copy the structure of West Wing Weekly. West Wing is a, is a huge fan of mine, Joshua Molina and Rishi Kishore. I just liked how they ran it. Unfortunately, I don't have the same Rolodex and contacts that they do, um, that they could bring <laughs> Martin Sheen and basically any actor from the show on at any point. But that's what we kind of started as a general structure. Yeah, that's good to know. One thing that we noticed with your podcast is we like the way that you rate episodes based on various types of alcoholic drinks. <laughs> yes. Do you want to run through your rating system for the viewers? Yeah, sure. Um, we uh, start off with Cristal. That's like our five star. And I think, I don't know, Randy, like Cristal was kind of the gold standard of expensive alcohol, maybe when we were a little younger. Uh, I don't know if it's still that way. Well, it's the ones that always made the rap songs, so I figured it must be good. <laughs> that's that's fair. That's fair. And I always say that's fair on the air, which I've been <laughs> chastised for. 
Second, we have uh, Johnny Walker Black, so kind of a nice little upscale alcohol, good whiskey. Goose Island IPA, that's a Chicago brewery, Goose Island, and it's kind of like nice middle of the road. That's three stars. Two stars is Budweiser, so kind of a standard of beer in America, but nothing fancy. And then Natural Light, or also known as Natty Light, is one star which is like the beer that college students buy like 30 cans for $20 here. I suppose the, the following question is, what, what's got a, a natty beer then? A natty light? <laughs> what episode? Well, I gave one out last week. Actually. <laughs> <laughs> you, he was grumpy mood. I don't know what the deal was. So. Uh, it was Dog Bites Cliff. I gave uh, one last week. I just thought it was just, there were some good moments, but it was just mean to Cliff and mean to everybody, and I didn't like it. <laughs> we've, we've already reached a couple. Yeah, we're, we had one the other week. Because <laughs> <laughs> you guys are in season three-ish, right? Yeah. So, oh, I gave um, Natty Light to Sam Turns the Other Cheek. Yeah, that was it. Same one. <laughs> <laughs> I, I did not, did I, Randy? No, you're generous. You gave an IPA. You gave okay, IPA. okay. We, we were just like, we're just going to talk about, about butt puns for a good 15 minutes because that's, <laughs> yeah. that's all this episode has. <laughs> I would I would rather listen to you talk about puns and watch that episode again. So. <laughs> Yeah, uh, Randy and I in the pregame when we uh, were talking before the episode, we will often know it's a bad one when we're just like, uh, this is going to be a short episode. You know, you kind of know up front. <laughs> That's it, exactly. Uh, that we were just talking about was uh, Diane's allergy. And one thing we wanted to ask you was, Carla receives a lot of joke gifts in this, but um, what bad gifts or presents have you guys ever received? Uh, I've got something on my mind and i asked john before and he's i think been struggling to think of one for the past couple of hours randy do you have one that actually is a tough question for me well i remember i don't know if it's a bad gift but i remember the first time i was ever interested in someone and this was back in you know early primary school she actually gave me a record and i don't know if that's good or bad <laughs> i I just didn't know how to take it and it wasn't really an artist i knew it was you remember are you familiar with billy ocean yeah. Okay. Yeah. It was. It was. It was one of the Billy Ocean songs, and for a minute, I thought, "Man, this is cool." But then I think, did she just steal it from her brother? And I didn't really know what to think of that one. So that was the first thing that came to mind when he asked. When the going gets tough, right? That's right. That's right. She did break up with me within a month, so maybe it was just her way of of softening the ground. Did she ask for the record back? No, she did not. I think I might have broke it though. <laughs> I mean, uh, some of the gifts that Carla got were a miniature model of a toilet. Yes. A, a garlic-flavored jelly bean, a Lone Ranger mask, and fine dribble crystal. <laughs> That's eclectic. That's definitely eclectic. I think I've seen the garlic jelly bean at, at Jelly Bellies in the stores. Really? So. I think that's possible, yeah. Actually, I saw something recently where there's like this jelly bean candy thing that's a game. And basically, it has like a bunch of bad flavors and a bunch of good flavors. And you're supposed to kind of spin the thing and, and take one with your friend or something. Is this Russian roulette for kids? Exactly. <laughs> that is Pretty exactly much. correct. <laughs> no, don't pitch it as that, John. That's... <laughs> I think that's the way to go. Hard sell. Yet another idea I wish I would have thought of myself and made money off of. <laughs> I just think that J.K. Rowling watched that episode of Cheers and went, now that's an idea. <laughs> <laughs> Slap Harry Potter on it and he'll have a whole branded separate series. <laughs> I think 
it's along the lines of, again, a weird gift because, again, I didn't know where, what to take from it. But for my 18th birthday, my dad gave me a box of condoms and half a bottle of Jack. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and then just went, do what you want. And I was, what? Well, <laughs> but why half the bottle? I think he dragged the other one. <laughs> Did he tell you which order to use them? No, I think I think it was Deanna's choice. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah. It was, like it was a bizarre gift from to get from your own death. That's some pretty good street cred with that, though. That's, that's pretty good. What about you, John? I don't think I can top that. I've been trying to think of one. And, yeah, that's, that's kind of blown whatever I was thinking out of the water. So let me move on from there. <laughs> <laughs> you've talked about your rating system and some episodes that you've given a low rating to but what would you say is your favorite episode of cheers you've discussed thus far well it's interesting so since you taught the rating system at the end of every season we take our crystal episodes and then use one as the bottle service as like the best episode in our view of the season like and that. at I think a couple of them that jumped out to me, I mean, we haven't done season five yet, but if you go back to like uh, season three, we really, George, you really like Teacher's Pet. I think that's coming up. And I really like Cheerio Cheers. That was kind of my favorite for, for season yeah. three. See, I've got these to look forward to. James is a bit ahead of me. <laughs> Little tease for you when nobody knows your name, viewers, of uh, some Castile level episodes later in the season. <laughs> The one other one that jumped out to me was um, in season one, because I think for George and I, uh, Harry Anderson's guest roles as Harry the Hat yeah. are ones really liked. So pick a con and econ back to season one. We both actually gave crystals that same day. And George, I think you picked that for bottle service. I think I probably did. That's a classic episode. That's when he they, they do the card game. Cheers version of the sting. <laughs> yes. yes. Yeah. Yeah. Anything with Harry Anderson is pretty good. And I was a fan of the show Night Court also. So that's kind of I, I just a fan of his stuff. He was very good, yeah. It's a shame he wasn't in Cheers more often, but from what we understand, it is what launched him into Night Court. Mm -hmm. Yeah, right. but yeah, my favorite episodes, honestly, are later in the series. I have uh, like my overall favorite episode. I think is in season nine or ten. We've got a, we've got a long way off then, Jips. <laughs> I think. Yeah, we have a while. There. <laughs> yeah. uh, Do you think you'll uh, be introducing a new level to your scoring system then? I will say that like Randy and I are, are, so we're almost done with the Diane episodes. We just have, I think, five more or something like that. And there may be a new rating system introduced with the Kirstie Alley years. Okay. So that's a tease. Intrigue. That's good. Yeah, absolutely. Would, plus, <laughs> we always thought that if we could ever get sponsorship, that we'll absolutely sell a, a rating to whatever sponsor wants to come on board. <laughs> oh, that's, no, that's an idea there. <laughs> New five star Nettie Lage. <laughs> <laughs> They're paying for it. No, no. I think uh, a question which might be fun to ask as well is that what what's your local like? Your local pub or bar? Why is it your favorite? Oh man, that's uh. Well, I'll I'll go ahead and jump in. That's a tough one for me because I live in a college town, so there are a lot of college bars and like kind of towny bars where you know it's just the locals that go to get drunk. But there's been kind of an emergence of microbreweries. There's one called Wooden Legs that uh, is probably my favorite. It's actually for the quality of the beer and the ambiance there. It's it's a little more laid back. I like that. Yeah. That's one of the stark differences I noticed between living in England and here. We're, we're so much more sterile and corporate and commercialized here that you never, even if they try, like they just opened a new Irish pub in my, in my city here and, and they're trying very hard. Looks great, but 
to mimic something that they can't do because of culturally and the relationships. Because we're so spread out, you never really get as much of that community aspect that I notice in my local pubs in Beaconsfield or, or wherever. And frankly, what I like about your guys' podcast too is you're trying to give a flavor of that camaraderie, for lack of a better word. And so I, I, I miss that from my time there and it's very, very hard to replicate here. The interesting uh, cultural difference there. Yeah. Yeah, that's a great point. Hard to find a, a bar like Cheers, then. It is. And in fact, and I, I'm sure you realize they tried to actually um, franchise that here. They tried to put a concept in airports and stuff, and it did not, did not work well. I did get to visit the St. Louis Cheers bar once. That's my... <laughs> <laughs> that was like in 1999. And did you sit on Norm's stool? That's the big question. <laughs> I don't think they had a Norm's stool at that particular <laughs> Cheers bar. It was. It didn't have the same setup. They had like the, the decoration was Cheers-like, but it wasn't set up like the Cheers in Boston, which I was able to visit a couple years ago. That's somewhere we are looking forward to going to, mm-hmm. the uh, Cheers Boston on Beacon Hill, I believe it is. Yeah, it's. I, I highly recommend it and 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 the original owner is still owns it which shocked me because i I got to interview him i don't know it's a maybe it's two and a half years ago now and when i set up the interview i didn't realize it was the same owner that actually was behind the show and connected to the show that's that's amazing because that's that's quite a long time to end the bar then yeah he was fairly young i'm thinking he was in his 30s when when the show first started and you know he's he's an older gentleman now but yeah he's still going strong and that was a great opportunity something we always encourage people to do is when they find a sort of knockoff cheers bar uh, send us a picture so we've had a few pictures from around the globe of we see one in uh, lisbon in portugal yeah that's a great idea i saw one in barcelona i think is where Uh, i'd Uh, love to see those uh, yeah you spoke of interviews there and you have interviewed a few people on your podcast uh, some interesting and exciting guests but who did you enjoy interviewing most and why? Um, well, I mean, personally, my favorite interview was Lee Ryan, the actor. He played Bob in the episode The Boys in the Bar, which is actually, speaking of favorite episodes, that's one of my favorites. And actually, to this point, that probably is my favorite or, or up there. We spoke for about an hour and he just recapped his experience on Cheers. And he's been on a number of TV shows from the 80s and 90s. So it was just fun to hear his stories like about meeting Heather Locklear and those sorts of things. That's one of our favorites as well, The Boys in the Bar. Yeah, I think I think it's interesting that you mentioned that because I think this podcast we thought it was going to be quite a light-hearted approach, and then we realised even in like the first few episodes how not serious totally, but how serious concepts are covered in a comedic light. And when you started the podcast, did you realise how much research there might be into like maybe some of the social issues? Yeah, social issues and things like that, and also sort of psychiatry and things like that. Because we we found ourselves doing a lot more digging and research as we went on. Uh, Randy, I'll let you grab that one. Well, I think Cheers is, is, I mean, that's a great point. It is definitely first thought of because of the comedy, but in the context where it started, that social commentary is very, very clear. And I think it's one of those instances where I think you see it sometimes with movies where they come out with top 100 movies and, and things change over time. I think the reason Cheers will probably always stay higher is people will always appreciate the comedy, but its ability to speak into the social situations of the time will be more and more appreciated. And so whether it's the Boys in the Bar episode, some other episodes later, and even at one point they were considering giving Sam AIDS to address that issue. But unfortunately, the writer strike happened and they had to go a whole other direction. 
action. And so of at least addressing issues in their family way. And, you know, and we've probably all talked about at some point, the family nature of the bar, and that's where you have family discussions. And so I think that's a, just additional level of its brilliance. Yeah. And actually the, the psychiatry that you mentioned, I love that aspect of the show. I'm a fan of the show Frasier too. It really adds a layer to kind of that intelligent comedy. If you're an intelligent person, you, you can appreciate that layering. And I think that's one of the things that Cheers does very well. I would definitely agree. I think it's one of the things which drew us to Cheers and it seemed evident to us compared to other sitcoms, predominantly modern ones, that the writers behind Cheers were people who have experience in the fields they were making jokes about, so the more highbrow comedies surrounding psychiatry or social issues. Whereas I think some modern comedies now, it almost seems like they're inserting references to these highbrow topics more than knowing about them. Yeah, I think that's a, that's a great way to put it. Probably a good idea of how you structure a writer's room as well, because if you bring in the, the perspective, diversity, and, and however you want to define that, it will make everything richer, deeper, more meaningful than, let's say, me trying to write what a doctor is. I have no idea what a doctor does. I can guess, but it's going to be pretty shallow. You said that you were both involved in writing as a, an aspect in sort of production and things like that. And I'm not sure if there are any sort of tools that you use in the writer's room that you might say induce a good writer's room. And if there's anything that you're working on at the moment that you'd like to sort of talk about. Wow, I, I'm juggling so many projects right now, but at the same time, I, I'm not getting anywhere because I have so much other work. <laughs> But uh, I think when you're doing collaborative writing, one of the most important things is to be able to, uh, one, have a, an open enough relationship with the other writers that you can speak your mind and take criticism, which is not a fun thing to do sometimes. But if you can set that sort of a tone where you have a give and take, because usually you're dealing with intelligent people, and that really can make a robust writer's room. And I think that's one of the, the advantages to sitcom writing is that usually you'll have a writer's room of, you know, I don't know, four to six people versus just a sole writer and revisions for most movie projects. Oh, Randy, did you have anything there? Oh, no, that's great. I, the other thing I would, I would do it more micro than too is just personally as I try to continue to bring in different sources of information to continuously challenge me, test me. The easiest way to get in a rut is not to challenge yourself or challenge where you're getting ideas. And, and so shake up the environment, shake up the information sources. There's certain areas I write poorly in, but I need to go back to those just to shake me up sometimes. And I think that type of intentionality will, will help in the end. And they, they always say, you know, dealing more with narrative fiction, you should read a lot if you want to write well. And I think in some ways, the same thing is true for comedy writing. Uh, watching sitcoms, and I've watched plenty of them in my life, <laughs> uh, kind of influences and informs your own writing. And just because comedy is so much timing that, you know, understanding that timing and just having it be a part of you from you know, watching hundreds and hundreds of episodes of sitcoms, it really makes a difference. And you, you mentioned a bit earlier on that you've uh, recently watched an episode where uh, Cliff was treated particularly mean. In the few episodes we watched as well, there's some episodes where we just feel like characters potentially aren't treated nicely. Out, ni nicely. Yeah. <laughs> An example that we, in this episode was the vast amount of mean presence Carl's got. What do you think about some of the episodes where maybe the characters aren't treated where you feel is appropriate to the character potentially? And do you think that's, you mentioned writer strikes and things like that. How do you think that 
it's impacted the show that's lasted 11 series or how you went through season one to five do you think that has been a consistency i think randy and i have talked about this on our show a number of times but i mean like sam is a peacemaker on this show and so usually things never get too far out of bounds because he makes sure that they're reined in and i think having that kind of calming influence especially from the lead in the show helps because you see that there are acceptable boundaries to to what is being done i think someone like cliff i mean he's a funny character and and we should make jokes about him, no doubt. But at the same time, I want some sympathy toward him. Uh, there has to be some redeeming quality, I feel like. And I do think there's a little difference in, I mean, we're, we're looking back 20, 30 years now. Times and society does change. And so I think the lens we look through now is definitely different than we would have looked through in the 80s and 90s. Not saying it's right or bad, just it's different. But I think one of the things that jumped out to us is the, the making fun of Parsons, I think, some of them still are on the right side of it. Some of them clearly aren't. The ones that George and I have bothered us mostly is how they deal with things like gender relationships, lack of a better word, gender politics, even blatant sexism at some point that clearly wasn't called out during that time. But we look back now with an entirely different lens. And there's a couple episodes that we would cut don't stand up well because of that. Um, just even the way Sam treats Diane, some of the words he uses that would not be appropriate today. Um, so that's been interesting to watch. Yeah, I'd agree with that, especially in the first probably two seasons, because we're looking at 1983 to 1984. Yeah, I mean, some of those, the, the way people speak and, you know, like the episode that's a classic episode where they're slapping each other, that's a little uncomfortable. But at the same time, she's giving as good as she gets. But it, it's still an uncomfortable exchange, uh, you know, in light of 2020 norms. I think we couldn't agree more. Yeah. I think that's um, one of the reasons we ourselves wanted to talk about Cheers, because it is a show that ended almost 30 years ago now. And looking at the differences in today's culture versus the culture in when it was written is something which was appealing to talk about in a podcast medium. And I think that's something which you've said yourself was one of the reasons uh, you do Cheers Weekly. One, there wasn't a Cheers podcast at the time. And two, for such a big show, there were aspects of it which wanted talking about. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's uh, Randy, Alan Sepinwall ranked this number four all time. Is that yeah, I think that's right. It was top five. Yeah, he kind of got muddled in the top five, but yeah, top I think five. it was t- it was number four, and he basically said the top four are tied for number one or something right. like that. Yep. So I mean, this this show is really layered and deep, and and I mean, you don't run eleven years on the air without doing something right. And and one of the the aspects of that too is the nostalgia. So on our show, we talk about you know our own memories and the time itself uh, in the nineteen eighties, and I think that also helps us talk about culture and and what social norms are now versus then. I think that's definitely a really bad point. I think it's something that we potentially miss on our podcast because ours is almost very looking back at that time, not having lived through it. Um, Because we didn't watch Cheers as it came out, dipped in and out of it. It's a different approach that we bring to it. It's nice to listen to your podcast and get some of that nostalgia that you have about the time. Yeah, and I think that, I mean, that's why, you know, we, in in some ways, people might say we're competing podcasts, but we're really, we're not. We're offering different perspectives. And and I know that we have listeners that listen to both of our podcasts. And so I think it's great that we could get together and uh, and talk about it. Mm. It's like the super show here. Thank you so much for coming on. It's it's been a pleasure talking to you both. Thank you. We appreciate it. That's that's been awesome. What we'd we'd like to get from you is uh, you're in your favorite local. What drink would you order at the bar? This doesn't have to be your top tier, but this is what would you drink at the bar? Because that's that's what we're going to toast this episode off with. Excellent. Pretty basic and boring, but rum and coke. Nice. (laughs) 
You know, actually, if I was just going to a standby, it's also rum and coke. <laughs> we'll get four rum and cokes. Four rum and cokes. Uh, thank you so much for joining us. Thank, thank, you, thank you both. Yeah, Appreciate thank it. You. And cheers. 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 <laughs> <laughs> thank you, guys. Thank you.